Hello and welcome everybody. Thank you for enjoying our pilot presentation of Feature Story, joined by the author and author of this piece and co-creator of the series itself, Kevin Ryan. Kevin, welcome. Howdy. How are you? Oh man. I can't believe that this is at the end of, of this idea. I, I I feel like we gave birth to this together. Like this this we, was something that that, that that gestated for a while and now it's out into the world. We entered the abyss during our hero's journey and we are emerging <laughs> and we can see the light and it is beautiful light. Indeed it to, is. To, to use some Peterson imagery. Exactly. All right, so let's kind of dig into some a, a spoiler conversation into your reporting process. Yes. Uh, 2018 is a very, very, very different time in the careers of Dave Rubin and Jordan Peterson. Uh, this is absolute ascendancy. This is almost like what I liked about your writing was that it felt like kind of the, the coronation of the new commentariat of the right. Is is that something that you were trying to capture or did that just come through in what you were writing? It was it was unavoidable. I mean, it was it's it was so present and it was such an exciting moment. I I remember the first time I met Peterson, I was actually profiling Ruben and it was I met him at Ruben's house and Shapiro was there. And um, and it was just this sort of surreal moment where the the like the biggest minds of this movement at the time were all just hanging out, you know, in the in the same room, just kind of sh- hanging out, shooting shit. You know, it was yeah. it was a really cool experience, and they all knew it. I mean, like Shapiro was that wasn't too long after the New York Times called him a you know compared him to a gladiator. You know, P- Peterson's book, uh, this was in January. So Peterson's book was out and it was starting to take flight. And actually Peterson was showed up with the writer from Esquire, Wesley Yang, who I've, yeah. you know, he and I have uh, since connected pretty well. But at the time I thought Yang was just one more person writing a hit piece on Peterson uh, because that's pretty much all we got is uh, these very – ideologically um heated pieces that that really only when you when you probed around a little bit it was just this sort of masturbatory effort by the writer to elevate their own career but but even then that really at least to the crowds that peterson and rubin are talking to are like necessary for the coronation, right? Like every icon on the right gets their hit piece features, right? Like, like that, oh, they, that, that, yes. that, 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 that's almost like the roses being thrown as the, <laughs> the, uh, 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 sword comes down on either shoulder. Oh, that, that's a good image. I mean, and that's like, that's the thing, you know, you hear the, on the right, there's so much complaining about the, you know, so-called mainstream media but the moment that the new york times calls there's this like yeah 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 yeah. well let's do it be here as soon as you can yeah which i totally understand because there's like a there's a legitimate there's a legitimization to it that um but i mean because 
it, it was interesting. Peterson really didn't didn't like me. Um, and I think we get that you 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 did you did a good job of of uh, of doing it and and in the production that was an important part for me of of trying to make that clear like make it clear from the very beginning especially how it ends that this is an uneasy relationship to begin with because we hope that it continues to warm. And yet we find out that that initial meeting that you have with them is the warmest it's ever going to get. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was the most that was the most that he gave me with. And it's funny when you're reporting. The first episode is typically a throwaway. Yeah. Like when you're doing an in-depth profile, you know, and I was like, I had expected to get the same treatment that Wesley got where it's like. I, I was fully expecting to follow Peterson around. Yeah. You know, because I remember the first time I saw Peterson, he walked into Ruben's house and he was just chatting with Wesley about PC culture. And it's like, man, everything, everything he said could fit in as a quote. And Peterson is a, is an expert at this. I mean, he's just uh, and that that's kind of what I wanted to capture. And I also wanted to remove any sort of personal feelings I have, which is actually why the ending. Okay. I'm sure you'll ask about the ending. Cause that's sure. just something that everybody asked me about, but it, that, that manifested in the ending and we changed it last minute, but yeah, you can see that throughout the story. Well, I mean, if we're there, let, let's go ahead and, and go there. Obviously, you know, the other thing that we really wanted to highlight in the production was this moment that I think to be to be honest, it's the reason why I think this version of your story is something that is special because having read it two or three times, which is an unrealistic expectation for an average person. <laughs> yeah. uh, the, but, what, but it it's written to be read multiple times. It is, know? of course. Yeah. I mean, it is it is a work totally of quality. Get, I don't expect anyone yeah. to do it, but I I like spent so much time there's so many different layers to it but also it's like in print you can't grab the reader by the wrist and say no pay attention to this like unless it's yeah. a pull quote or something like that you you, you can't uh say like no 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 don't you see that there's an escalation what i really wanted to do is just make sure that everybody gets because if you're just kind of skimming through it and you're not giving it your full attention you can skim past this idea that you talk to him in Houston. You're with him in Dallas, but you don't really get anything special. Uh, and then you fly all the way across the country to be there in Long Beach. And in 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 the subtext, you're like, oh, well, I'm there with a, uh, the I'm there with a photographer. Uh, I'm, I'm planning on sitting down with him. And then he totally snubs you in a very odd way. And that's something that in the audio medium, we can draw a lot more attention to. We can make that a more dramatic encounter than the words can if, you know, the reader is not totally dialed in on it. So so take us into that moment uh, uh, and, and initially what you had written. So you're right. And that we can also control the the pacing of it, 
the the musical aspect of it because to me music is the most important part of writing like the the writing obviously has to make sense you know it, it can't just be nonsense but there has to be a musical structure to it that the reader hears and that's really that's really hard to deliver in print um you can do it i mean you can space things you can add you know, kind of a, you know, you could use punctuation to your advantage, but like you said, you can only do so much. Um, so one thing I'd like to add too about the Dallas portion is that some of the best quotes that I had for the story were in the Dallas portion because they actually went to that with Glenn Beck. Mm -hmm. Um, and we went, you know, it was like a small group of us. We went out to eat before and then it was like this moment of like, you know, cause I, I'd known Glenn back a little bit, uh, at this point, but, um, this was like our first time really hanging out and it was just, it was such a like interesting experience. Cause you know, he's got these bodyguards yeah. and we come in the back entrance, it's all set up, you know, we go straight to the locker room to, to Peterson's dressing room and we're just chatting and the conversation between Glenn and Peterson was just fascinating. Um, and, uh, you know, their discussion about fame, you know, because Peterson is he's older at this point, especially for someone to to experience that level of fame. Yeah. And he is like still trying to figure it out. And he's applying all this knowledge that he has. And most of it's like, you know, has that Jungian basis. And then you have, you know, Glenn Beck, who's been a celebrity in various forms for, you know, 20 years now. Uh, but. I surreptitiously recorded that and the editors were like, uh, you can't use this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I was like, no man, that's like some of the greatest stuff. And, uh, and it's not cause they said anything terrible, you know, they, like it's, you know, I just should have let people know, but then it would have ruined the, like the vivaciousness of the conversation. Um, oh yeah. So is that something where you ever think about going back and, and getting the quotes that you want to use and then trying to get them cleared after the fact with the people? Yeah, we might, I might do that. Cause that was, uh, the conversation they had was incredible. And I didn't, I mean, it was like, I, from that story, I probably cut the, the, um, as many words as the story it has in it. So there were so many different scenes, so many different, uh, directions that I wanted to take it but ultimately you know I had to I had to define the animating idea what is this a story about yeah this is a story about a cultural figure who has um who has figured out the tension behind this either or culture that we find ourselves in this is like we have stripped things down to left right good bad all of this and He's he's figured out a way to embrace that, but also add a little bit of nuance to it. And so I wanted to pen penetrate that, capture the culture as a whole and try and figure out who is this guy? Who is he really? Because I I didn't think at that point I thought nobody had accurately portrayed him except for Wesley. Ha Wesley Yang happens to have the only other Peterson profile that I have any respect for. Yeah. Um. So that that was kind of my undertaking at the beginning of it. Well, let me ask you this. Why is there this oppositional relationship? Let, let, so let's understand that uh, uh, obviously there is a political gulf between journalists and 
conservative media figures. But it does seem like for Peterson, there is a very specific animus. And I, I, I don't know whether it's, you know, because of his age or like, like maybe he's just somebody who just doesn't have time for it. Because uh, what it doesn't seem like is performative. He seems to be very legitimately annoyed and angry and oppositional <laughs> in, in a way that, let's say, uh, uh, you know, certainly Donald Trump uh, uh, is probably the grandest example. He knows that there's an element of bump and feed professional wrestling to fighting with the media. Like Rush Limbaugh knows that there is a certain amount of professional wrestling to fighting with the media. I would say probably even Dave Rubin, who you spend a whole lot of time with, mm -hmm. knows that there's more of a performative element to it. Uh, it doesn't seem like Peterson seems genuinely angry. Yeah. Uh, one of the things he one of the quotes he had that I ultimately pulled for whatever reason was he broke it down. It's the the uh, ratio between um, love and infamy. He said, you have to, in order, this is, and, and the, the equation is fame. In order to succeed, in order to gain fame, you have to have enough infamy that the intensity of the love that your audience and that the public feels is elevated. So he said, at that point, the ratio, I believe, was like 40, 60. And this is, this is him in the middle of it. Yeah. So this, this gets to one of my one of my regrets about the story uh-huh uh probably my biggest regret is that i framed a false dichotomy between in an effort to be to remain neutral and to try and figure out who is this guy i framed his audience as cult-like or i i believe i was very i was very careful with the wording well you know I, it, it, it's funny you say that because I've listened to this story about 50,000 times. Uh, you go out of your way to describe them as cult-like from the perspective of critics. And, and then at a certain point, you yourself describe their gaze as cult-like. Yes. And that was literally an example of like moving from uh, the concrete to the universal that, that really only happened a few times. You know, I, I remember in, in long beach, there was a guy who came up to me and he had like these, I was chatting with Ruben outside and he had these cards that was like for, that were for a Peterson kind of like a support group. Yeah. And they, these were like really nice business cards. And there was just a look to him, but you know, in hindsight, it might've just been the look that people get, when they see someone in person, someone that they've like spent a lot of time listening to or watching to on online and someone with like fame. So I think one of the un underlying themes that I ultimately kind of took less or removed emphasis from is the the idea of fame. Yeah. And how it plays out in a culture, especially politically, um, which. I think this is a good part to add, a good point to add. Like the the story itself is actually part of a series, and I, I think it's the finest the finest story in the series, the most representative. Um, a series of stories all based on Kid A 
by Radiohead, which now this, this is this is internal for you. You're you're yes. basing them uh, like that. That is that is not outwardly stated anywhere. No, ne- nowhere, nowhere at all. Until so here, is- until right now, on the epilogue of the first feature story podcast, do we reveal that Kevin Ryan has hoodwinked uh, many many people into uh, uh, reading his constellation of Kid A features <laughs> for my own amusement? Uh, no, um, it. It's uh, yeah. So that that's the basis of it. And um, Peterson Peterson is Kid A, like this the central focus of the album, the track Kid A. Yeah. And there's a lot. I listen to that song just over and over and over and repeat. And you know, I always I have a playlist for every every especially every serious piece that I or every long piece I do, where it's like I figure out the sections. I I divide it up in the sections. And then I listen to one particular track or a few different tracks over and over and over again. And that's that's kind of the only music I listen to in that period. Uh, I mean, I think Peterson took me four or five months from the beginning to print or the uh, the editing process took me that long. The writing process, the reporting process was like, you know, that, that was just like, uh, I don't know. Well, let me let me ask you this. So there is a gap of a couple months between the back to back shows in Houston and Dallas to when you then go to Long Beach. How much of this did you have written before you did that final trip or did you write anything? I wrote what I thought was the final version. And I realized I I went to my mentors and editors and had them take a look at it. And they said, no, you're not done, man. You you need a you need to find a way to pull the reader out of this, and you need to you need to go, and you need to confront Peterson. You yeah. need to get an answer out of this guy. You need to figure out who he is. You know, uh, Frank Sinatra has a cold has already been written. Yeah, it's like that's already been done. So I you know, and I also wanted to get a different scene. I wanted to get a, a different setting. So it's like, what's what's more different than California, or what's more different than Texas is California. So, uh, and Ruben was Ruben was there. So it's like, um, it seemed like a very natural fit. Um, I, and here's the other thing, and, and this is sort of implied, but I couldn't say it for editorial reasons. Yeah, I had a growing suspicion that Peterson was was on something. So um, let's get into I this. I thought it was speed. I thought it, he acted like somebody who was on speed. Yeah. And I think we should probably make clear that, that this is uh yeah, <laughs> that, that Peterson has, that? Peterson has said publicly that he had a dependency for which he went to a, I believe upstate New York rehab clinic and then wound up going to Russia and putting himself into a medical coma to physically break himself of a dependency, but it was for a prescribed drug that was not speed. So th- th- we, yeah. we are we are we are are in speculative territory here. Definitely, and that's that's ultimately why I left it out. Yeah, um, but, but but certainly, it, but certainly, there is no question that he had a dependency problem that he himself apparently felt affected his life so much that he needed to go to rehab and then put himself into a medical coma. So I, I think it was totally fair game for us in the framing of this to say 
hey, this guy might be going through some stuff right now. And one of the things that I wondered in in editing this and, and not only going through the raw audio was how much somebody like Ruben, for whom it it appears is a very empathetic person and is with Peterson a lot, seems to have a far closer relationship to Peterson than an average person that isn't, let's say, his wife or daughter, how much he might have worried. Because when you listen to that quote that he gives you after Peterson has that weird moment in the hall where he's not going to talk to you and he is leaving his room and then going back to his room and actively seems like he's trying to avoid humanity, Mm -hmm. uh, it seems like Peterson is somebody that has this cosmic idea of, you know, we need to be kind and understand people. And I, I wonder whether or not that's something that is informed by watching somebody in his own orbit sort of wobble off course. I, th- I think so. I mean, during that tour, which was grueling, Peterson and Ruben were with each other constantly. I mean, P- Peterson's wife would join every once in a while. But it was it was mostly Peterson and Ruben, you know, and, and it was funny, like Ruben told me after the story came out, he's like, you know, part of it is, it's, you know, Peterson just needs a lot of naps and stuff because it's it's never ending. And that's I mean, that's a good point. But like the pace that he was keeping was inhuman. It, it wasn't healthy, you know, but I think there was there's an element of, of Peterson. that's like, look, man, you know, I'm not I'm not a young I'm not a young buck, as he might say. Yeah. I'm like, uh, I'm not a young bucko. But it, it's like, I need to do this right. I need to do this intensely. And, and he, he did it to the hilt. And it, it, is, it has cost him dearly. Um, but he did it very much. And I, um, I think I captured this. This dynamic of like the, the either or dynamic. He, that's constantly how he's doing it. And I think that's the reason why he ultimately liked the piece. Uh, he he said he enjoyed it. it and he said, I think he was surprised. Um, so that's good. And th- that's not always good. Like if you, if you profile somebody, you don't want them to be like, Oh, that was great. That, that was, was amazing. Thank you. Piece. Thank you for fluffing <laughs> me. Yeah. Th- thanks for the free PR. Yeah. Uh, and he, he didn't, he w- didn't say it in that way. I think he, um, to be fair, the guy can take, the guy can take some hits, you know, he understands that there's a part of him that's dark, you know, I, one of his big ideas is that like, you know, you have to acknowledge the fact that if you were in Germany during the rise of the the Nazis, you probably would have become a Nazi. Yeah. That's just realistic, you know, like that's who we are as people, unfortunately. Um, but by embracing that and, and it's, and from the very beginning, that's what I do. That's the dichotomy I set up, you know, Jesus or cockroaches, you know, it's spiders. Like spiders. Yeah. yeah. Spiders in the walls. Yeah. Like just this. Uh, and, and that that movement happens throughout the story. I mean, one one of the major questions I get is like a lot of these images seem very random where, I, you know, I talk about the I use like the argument that as as I've interpreted uh, by like guys like Thomas Aquinas to prove the existence of God, you know. So I argue in favor of the existence of God in this story at several points. Yeah. Well, you know, I say you know, somewhere in the cartoon locality of it all, God exists, and then the next 
the next scene we get, the next image we get is of the school shooting at Santa Fe High School. Yeah. You know, so I really wanted to in every form, I really wanted to bring this tension, this either or tension, this that I feel like uh, Peterson typifies and he embraces. I mean, he's made he's made a career of it and he's about to write another chapter of that career in this in this new book for which we have found out that despite the fact that. He has had a insane, you know, year and a half, two years since this piece was written. The anger toward him has lessened not at all. Like there, That's, there is still this fury uh, uh, about him. And by the way, I do think that on some level, uh, it it feeds him. Like I don't know what the calm version. As I was trying to write the intro, I didn't quite know how to most commonly explain Jordan Peterson to somebody that's never heard of him. Do, yeah. do you do you lead with the self-help? Do you lead with Dr. Phil? Do you lead with <laughs> Donald Trump? Do you lead with Rush Limbaugh? Like, like what is the closest thing that uh, uh, typifies him? And then that's before you even get to the fact that all of those examples are going to be imperfect because he is a at you know as as an older guy this father figure for YouTube conservative youth like I I don't even know he he's almost more Mister Rogers than than yeah. he is some of these other people. Well, well, the beauty of Jordan Peterson is that he is all of those things. He and that's. That's what I had a problem with, with, uh, with my, you know, the opening. I was like, how do I do this? This is what I struggled with the same thing, Justin, when yeah. I was writing this. And I was like, okay. Because I was trying to write just, the opening to your opening. So imagine how hard yeah. it was for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a tough one. He's a tough guy to characterize. And I, yeah. I just like had to keep zooming out. And I got to the point and I was like, okay, shit, we, we got good and evil. This, yeah. that's that's the guy he is good and evil and he's the battle for good and evil and you know we'll get into in the story we'll get into whether that's contrived whether it's honorable um whether he's right in doing it whether he's a uh he's being manufactured by uh and the, the thing that i've struggled since publishing it is like who is the cult are they both cults yeah is the is the is the, the are the Peterson critics a, a cult as much as like the Peterson followers? Um, anecdotally, the Peterson followers after the story were overwhelmingly kind and very. I got so many emails from people, yeah, who were Peterson followers, just like, and they were kind of like embarrassed. They're like, uh, several people said it. They're like, oh, I'm one of those like crazy cult eyed. Peterson followers, and I always felt bad when they said that. Yeah, I was like, because the Peterson critics were just being really nasty to me on Twitter, which is fine too. I don't care, you know. Um, but it was it kind of it kind of made me think about whether I had framed it wrong because, like, the anti cult is to get people to think for themselves. Yeah, the cult hates autonomy, especially ideological autonomy, and and I didn't. I don't know if 
if I framed it wrong. I mean, that's something that like it doesn't keep me up at night, but every once in a while, I think, did I do that correctly? Well, did, I, did I characterize that accurately? I think we're 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 going to find out very quickly exactly uh, uh, how people think about it <laughs> because yeah. uh, uh, this is going to go out in the world, and we are going to recirculate all those opinions. Uh, uh, as we wrap up here, is there any other tidbit or note or, or element of the reporting process that you would like people to know having read it? So I, I, the thing I get asked about the most is the ending. So I just want to kind of give some more clarity on that. Yeah. Um, and it, everybody says, you know, I, it was great, but I didn't understand the ending. It kind of came out of nowhere. At this and, is you watching the VIPs in the step and repeat. Yes. And Peterson, <laughs> Peterson, it basically looks like a gaunt Santa Claus giving out these gifts. Uh, this is like the, the 11th hour of him giving out gifts. Yeah. Yeah. A, a, a the, corporatized Socrates. That's right. That's it. And um, that wasn't the original ending. The original ending saw Peterson as the magician archetype. And it was like the ending was a lot more philosophical. Like I, I wanted to emphasize, I wanted to use Young, Carl Young's ideas as filtered through Peterson to explain Peterson at the end. And it was just like kind of complicated idea where I see, I realize that Peterson is the magician archetype and that I have seen how all the tricks have, are done, yeah. how they're performed. Um, and my editor said, no, that's, you're taking a little bit too much of a stance here. Um, so we, um, we said, what if, what if like we give the reader the answer to the, the, the question that's posed at the beginning is Peterson Jesus or is he, is he spiders? The spiders? Yeah. Um, and so our idea was like, what if we give the reader the answer to that question in the most unusual way possible. And that's your ending. The idea that he is, he is Jesus with, uh, laminates, uh, where you, you are upcharged $50 for a picture in a few words. He's both. Yeah. He's Jesus covered in spiders. <laughs> that's uh, Peterson. Well, there we go. That's a, that's a, that's a great way to wrap it up. Uh, Kevin, I guess beyond, uh, I will now uh, talk, uh, we, we, will, we will retire author Kevin and we will bring in co-creator Kevin. Uh, uh, what can people expect from the first season of Feature Story? And, and let me make it clear that we are in what I would charitably describe as pre-production. <laughs> we, have, we have emails out and we have, we have uh, some stories that we are circling uh but there is certainly a a path to get from here to there in in terms of uh uh, uh getting rights and everything and by the way uh, thanks again to the blaze for allowing us to do this because that i suspect is going to be either a problem or or not going forward but uh what yeah. what, what do you expect from the first season of feature story so so one thing to expect is that the Peterson profile is a profile, but what we're the other stories we're going to get. I mean, th there is no real. We played with the frame, the framework for what we want out of each story, and what we want is for, you know, it has to be long form, 
and it has to be it has to sound good when it's read aloud and uh it has to be literary nonfiction. yeah so we're gonna have a, a very wide range of stories about a bunch of different topics you know it's not political we ha- like like you just said we haven't locked down the specific stories we have an idea and we have a set of writers and a growing number of writers not only did everyone we reached out to say yes yeah they said also talk to this writer because they have a, a, the perfect story for this so we have like we have a a line of writers ready to go and that and that, that was actually behind the scenes that was one of the most exciting things for me was when we first had this idea you saying like oh cool yeah i'll send this thing and then it being great and then me telling you to record it and then that being great and then me putting together and i'm like it's just one of those things that every once in a while much like you know you were talking about in our px3 version of this it's it's you almost distrust it when everything kind of works (laughs) yeah you know and so it's like it's like, man, is this just like, this is, it, it shouldn't kind of work this fast. But then the next level of it is once we got this into a, a position where we could share it, that you send it out to people. And what my hope was, was that, you know, the, the marketplace for feature writing, not feature writing itself or the feature writers are a bit of a distressed asset right now. And that yeah. really talented people who are frustrated by this marketplace would be looking for a way to get their, get their work out there in a really consumable way. And that's something that I think is in its own path in in its own way. I think a, a, a tremendous benefit for feature writers because, you know, and, and, and if you wanted to, tell your friend, oh, look, I wrote this thing. Yeah, you're going to have a few of your friends that are voracious readers read it, but like, what about the rest of your friends? But if you tell them, oh, here's an hour-long podcast that it's my work, then they're definitely going to crush it. Like, they're they're, they're at, at least if they listen to a podcast, which a lot of people do. So I was thrilled to see just the, the, the parade of folks as you went out there anecdotally and just uh, uh, see what it, saw what interest you had we we almost immediately got just a, an amazing roster of stories now if we can clear them and, and all the other stuff will be its own yeah. journey but uh, uh the initial support for this has been rad from the talent side like overwhelming like i think we i came into it cautiously optimistic and but here's the beauty like the writers that we have are the best the best living writers in the in the the industry in the game, yeah. So, like, whatever story, even if we don't get their stories, the stories that have been running in the Atlantic or Harper's or the New Yorker, um, we're gonna. What we want from them is their best story. Their best, the story that most fits the audio format. And yeah. So we're gonna get what we're getting is even better than what you can you can find anywhere else you know this is like these stories are meant to be heard this way and i personally this might be an overstatement or a uh, hyperbole but i think that we're gonna usher in something akin to the resurgence of vinyl <laughs> oh yeah oh that that's a that's a fun way to put it yeah i i, I agree i mean i well i hope right uh, uh certainly it's it's something that um 
what I want to do as somebody who comes from written media. My degree is in newspaper journalism, right? So like I I back back before they started rebranding it so you would be able to get hired easier uh yep. and put, you know, computer new media whatever like no no no, I've got ink on my on my degree. <laughs> uh it it matters to me that this art form not only survives but thrives and and finds new audiences and i think very often journalists have a hard time reconciling their artist and i think it oftentimes leads to less than ideal reactions and thin skin like like when 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 a rock star gets upset because his art wasn't received really well or people aren't appreciating him enough and he smashes a dressing room. You're like, oh, rock and roll, I guess, right? <laughs> uh, but when journalists lash out on Twitter because people are being mean to them, they're, you're like, oh, whatever, baby. Uh, yeah. and, and I think that part of it is because journalists don't realize that people don't look at them as artists. Yeah. And I, I, I think that part of that is we haven't yet kind of put, we haven't yet invented some of that plane and there's no more artistic form of writing than in journalism than what we are going to put on display here and we want to give it all the trappings of everything that it deserves while not sacrificing any of the illumination that you're going to get from the writing. So, uh, Kevin... Uh, uh, if, if, if this is the last episode of feature story, tragically, then I'm, I, I think we went out, uh, a bat and one oh, for man. one. Uh, but otherwise Incredibly. I think we got a great, uh, a path in front of us. I think so too, Justin. I think where uh, the last thing I would say is that we're, this is fun. I mean, these stories are fun that they, they give you something that you cannot find anywhere else. I mean, you like not even in their original form, you know, you can, when you read a story, you can walk away as a, you can walk away a better person, a more informed person, and we're gonna we're giving you that in a, a, a new form, a way that's never been done. It's gonna be enjoyable, and it's gonna hopefully improve each person, and hopefully we can improve this, you know, this crazy world of ours. Hey, there we go, Kevin. Thank you so much. Uh, feature Absolutely. story season one coming, twenty twenty one. Dog and Pony Show Audio.